Hey, Hopefuls, you're listening to Babes with Hope with your hosts, Jessa, Tash, and Rachel. I'm Jessa. I'm a Potter nerd, history buff, and loving dog mom, and I'm an expert at helping you connect to your intuition and authentic self. And I'm Tash, a fun-loving, adventure-seeking world traveler, and my expertise is in organizational goal-setting. And I'm Rachel. I'm a figure skating, gym-loving Disney nerd, and I'm an expert at helping you uncover your innermost thoughts and emotions so you can discover your inner champion. And together, we're Babes with Hope. Hey, everybody. Oh, sorry. Let me start that over. Click, click. Just kidding. (laughs) Hey, Hopefuls. Welcome back to Babes with Hope. I'm Rachel, and today we are super excited to talk about the importance of listening to our bodies. And we are going to be talking about this topic in the context of us being in the process of learning how to do that. So although we are the experts at coaching, we are coming from a place of just expressing our experiences with listening to our body, how it's going well, how it might not be going so well, how we can improve in this area. And we'll be ending the day with some inspired action steps for you so you can learn to listen to your own body as well. So let's dive right in. We are so excited about this episode. We were getting super giddy yesterday, just thinking about how important it is that we share what's going on in our real lives. Um, with the through thread of how we can apply coaching concepts and use the coaching concepts to help us in our own lives. And one of the things that came up for me when we were talking about the importance of listening to our body is for me specifically, that looks like listening to pain in my body. Um, I don't know if this resonates with you or not, but for me, my body communicates to me with pain. And it manifests a lot of times in my shoulders, up in my, up in my neck, through my shoulders, and all the way down the sides of my back, really even into my hips. And there's nothing medically wrong with my back necessarily. It's when I'm getting really stressed or emotional, my back will send up red flags that I, that there's something to learn, that there's something going on with me that I need to tap in and pay attention and just really spend some more time in reflection of what's going on with me. And so the past few months, my back was in excruciating pain and I didn't really talk about it because it was just something that I was coping with and dealing with on a daily basis and trying to find solutions for that seemed really practical, like getting massage and, you know, seeing the chiropractor and these different things. It never even occurred to me that my body was trying to tell me that I was extremely stressed and that I was taking on other people's stress as my own when in fact it wasn't. And I remember like a few days ago, actually, I didn't even realize where I was at with my back. That's how much I need this content today to remind me to listen to my body and to check in with my body because my husband asked me a few days ago, because he's the one that's been like helping me massage my back at night and making sure that I have a really good pillow. And the other night he's like, how's your back doing? And I had to like think about it for a second. I was like, that's so weird. My back hasn't been hurting me for the past three days 
And I didn't even make the connection of like what's different in my life, what's happened in my life, how, how have things shifted? Why is my back pain no longer there? And it takes it back to what we were talking about last week when I was talking about being triggered and being extremely in high stress situation. My back was at its worst. Well, after I called my friend Carson and he took it to, to back to childhood for me, we did a NLP trauma release around what happened to me in my childhood. And I didn't even consciously make the connection that I was physically feeling better. Emotionally, I was feeling great. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize how heavy duty that trauma was. Um, I'd forgotten about it. I'd suppressed it. I'd pushed it down. And now that we've released it, physically, I feel so amazing. I went to the gym just now, which for me before going to the gym was always like a a mental struggle. Am I going to go? Is it going to hurt? Is this going to make my back worse? Is it going to be good or bad? Just all the mental struggle of going to the gym. And I was like, no, I feel great. Let's go. I'm excited to do this. Even um, I meet my buddy Tyler there who happens to be a personal trainer And he asked me, he's like, are you going to be okay doing rows today? Which is when you hold the dumbbells low and you squeeze your back to get them up, get the dumbbells up. You squeeze your back. And I was like, why is he asking me this? And I'm like, oh my God, he asks me this every week because I complain about my back hurting. And I was like, no, it's fine. Like my back feels great. I, I did this trauma release. I can't even explain it physically, but I just feel so good. And so for me, sometimes the learnings come after, right? Like I'm reflecting on this and kind of trying to connect the dots and see how this picture fits together. And for me, it was releasing the stress, releasing the trauma, releasing whatever I was holding on to and just letting it all go and listening to my body and saying, okay, I hear you. Like it's time to release this. It's time to get rid of it. It's time to get closure and move forward. And now I'm feeling amazing. So, um, before I pass it on, yeah, it's super awesome. And I'm so excited to hear from you guys because I know you guys are going to be talking about very different things, but for people with chronic pain, oftentimes chronic pain is the body's way of signaling that we are not okay in our thoughts and in our emotions. Um, now if you have had like a back surgery or something, and now you have pain because of the back surgery, that might be different. However, most of the time, I am going to make a general statement here. Your chronic pain is related to emotional pent up energy in the body because emotions are stored, not just one place in your body. Emotions are stored in every single cell inside your body. So if we lock up our emotions and press them inward, what we're doing is we're trapping those negative emotions in our body and then it manifests as physical pain. So here's what you can do. If you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, that's me. I've got chronic pain. Here's what you do. What you're going to do is you're going to ask yourself these questions in order. So you're going to say, if as soon as you notice that you're experiencing pain, ask yourself this question, where exactly am I feeling the pain? Seems like such a simple question, yet sometimes we don't have that mind-body connection and we're just like, I don't know, my arm hurts. But as soon as you say, where exactly am I feeling the pain? The body has to find a spot of like, oh, it's my forearm. Oh, it's my bicep. It has to locate where that pain is consciously. 
So where in my body exactly am I feeling pain? And then you're going to scale the pain. On a scale of 1 to 10, how intense is the pain? And just listen to yourself. You'll come up with the answer. Maybe you're 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. You just want a starting place. Where am I? How intense is this pain on a scale of 1 to 10? Let's say you say, okay, I'm a 7. You're going to ask the next question. What emotion am I feeling right now? What emotion am I feeling right now? If you come up with something that isn't an emotion, let's say you're like, well, I'm thinking about my report that's due tomorrow. Okay, well, that's great awareness and it isn't an emotion, so you're going to ask it again. Okay, I'm thinking about my report that's due tomorrow. What emotion am I feeling right now? Oh, I'm feeling pressure and stress and I want it to go really well, which is making me feel overwhelmed. That's an emotion. Okay, I've got the emotion. Last question, is the pain gone? Because here's what's so crazy about this pain. This is called the pain paradigm. As soon as we start tapping into our body and asking ourselves the questions and listening, the pain will go away because the pain is just an indicator that we're not listening. So let's say you say, is the pain gone? And you say, no. So you go back up to the top. Okay, where in my body am I experiencing the pain? Why do you ask that yourself that question again? The pain might have moved. Then you ask yourself on a scale of one to 10, how intense is the pain right now? I guarantee you that number will be less than it was the first time you asked. Maybe it's five now. Oh, five. Okay, what emotion am I feeling right now? Okay, uh, yeah, I said overwhelm already. What's the other emotion that I'm feeling? Um, I'm feeling anxious. I don't want to be embarrassed tomorrow during my presentation. Okay, is the pain gone? Yes. And so even if you have to do this five times a day, eventually you'll only have to do it once a day and eventually you'll only have to do it every other day because you are going to start listening to what the pain is telling you. And now you're the pain is not necessary anymore because it's just an indicator that something's wrong. And once you start acknowledging that something's wrong or that not wrong per se, but just that you need to tap into your thoughts and emotions, your unconscious mind doesn't need the pain in order to communicate with you and it will disappear. So interesting. <laughs> I, I don't know how long we've been recording, but I'm like, first time you're hearing from us because Rachel's just like a little expert just going on, which Completely, I love. Completely um, like in trance about like, yeah. I'm like, yes, tell me more. <laughs> um, okay. I have a question actually, because I've heard of pain paradigm before, but I don't, I mean, I don't know everything about it. Like, I feel like you probably know more than I do. So my question is, when you're talking about like emotions being pent up in the body, which I totally obviously believe in. However, mm -hmm. I wonder if there is, are ways that because we're having different emotions in our body that our body then like does minute um, movements and, or it also forces us to like, I don't know, like binge eat or, you know, not want to like exercise or all these things. And I wonder how much of all of it, um, comes together and like 
for the for those who may not be like, okay, cool, I don't understand how an emotion, you know, makes my shoulder hurt or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Is there also a option or a part of that that can be like because you're feeling this thing, it makes you sit weird, it makes you hunch, it makes you, you know. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're saying like when people go into binge eating or watching Netflix all day and no shame, blame or anything like that. I mean, I've been, I do that too. It's an escape. We're avoiding. So because we're not listening and we're not tapping in and we're just like, I don't know what I'm thinking or feeling. I'm just going to turn on the TV we're not allowing the reality of our situation to kind of that's going on unconsciously. I'm talking about your unconscious mind, which is, which is happening beneath what's happening consciously. So let me just explain Mm -hmm. this really quickly. So your unconscious mind is the part of your mind, your brain. And some people call it the subconscious, subconscious, unconscious. I use them interchangeably to mean the same thing. It is the part of your brain that is beating your heart for you helping you breathe in and out. It's healing every little scrape and scratch that you have on your body. It's the part of your brain that you don't need to think about. Thank goodness we don't need to think about healing our blister on our foot, right? If we had to consciously heal it every day, oh my gosh, I forgot today to heal the blister on my foot. It would never get healed. And also, (laughs) just as a little side note, I feel like I would feel more of like a magician, if I had to consciously think about <laughs> healing myself and like look at it and be like, cool, you're healing. I'm doing that with my brain. I know that's a little <laughs> off what you're saying, but I'm like thinking about like, yeah, if I had to like be aware of that, I would think that I was so much more magical. You know? Q Hogwarts <laughs> training. <laughs> oh my gosh. We are magical. We're just magical at this subconscious unconscious level totally totally healing the body for us without us having to think about it right our brains are fascinating so our unconscious mind that we don't often tap into or think about are you hey unconscious mind are you healing the blister on my foot it's like of course i am yet um of course i am (laughs) we're developing communication between the unconscious and the conscious. Your conscious brain is the part of your brain that's like, oh my God, where are my keys? Oh my gosh, I have a meeting in 10 minutes. Am I going to make it on time? It's the part of your brain that you're often listening to. It's very loud. It's constantly thinking. It's, it is right in your face. It does math for you. It solves problems for you. That's your conscious mind. So these, your unconscious and your conscious brain are connected by something called a critical faculty. And this critical faculty is a little barrier between your unconscious and conscious mind. When we are talking to ourselves and asking ourselves questions like, where in my body am I experiencing the pain? We're making that critical faculty line barrier thinner and we're allowing the unconscious and the conscious mind to communicate. So unconsciously, like let me rephrase this. Consciously, we might not understand why we're binge eating or turning the TV on. Unconsciously, we're like, there's an issue. There's a problem. There's something coming up for me. Can we talk about this? Can we heal this? And consciously, we're like, nope, not today. TV. 
And that's, that's okay. That's okay to be that in that place. I'm not shaming that at all. I'm just saying, as soon as we start to say, oh, okay, I'm going to listen to that still small voice and ask what's going on with me. That's when we can tap into healing and start having that open line of communication between the unconscious and the conscious. Totally. Yeah. I love it. Would it help maybe if I shared a bit of an example? Yeah. So for me, um, I guess it was about 2016. I have no idea what I did, but I kind of got an injury in my back. And like Rachel was saying, like I seeked out medical advice. I went to chiropractors and massage and, you know, nothing was exactly wrong with it. It just hurt like a mofo and I could like barely put socks on. And it was a long process of healing. And this was like way before I knew any of this like pain paradigm. I'm just like, shit, my back hurts. Like, cause I got to deal with it. And so it was a couple of years of me like healing and like kind of doing my thing on figuring out like, okay, what's going on with my back. And then I got to a point where it felt fine. I could put pants on comfortably again. I could touch my toes again. Like it was a great feeling. <laughs> like not asking your fiance to put your socks on for you is like a win. <laughs> and so I had all like it was from 2016. It would come and go, and I wasn't sure like what was going on. Like why was sometimes my back doing okay, and sometimes it was like so bad I like felt like I couldn't deal at all. And the more and more I started paying attention, the more I would recognize when it would happen. And as time went on, I would recognize that it would be happening once a month. What time of month? surprise, surprise, my menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. And at this time of the month, I would get a very, depending on my monthly behavior and my habits, I would get a degree of pain, either excruciating or not at all. And so I started listening to this pain and experimenting, like what is going on? Like I've been to the doctors, I've been to the chiropractors, I've been to the masseuses, like I have seen the experts and there's like no answers for me. And so I started paying attention and what I started realizing is that it had a lot to do with my own like habits around eating, fueling my body in a way that my body deserves to be loved on instead of like always eating fast food and not a balanced diet. So when I'm lacking in vegetables, my back on my period is so bad and I can tell when it happens I'm like oh yeah when was the last time I had a good salad or some good (laughs) veggies like um yeah that would probably be why my back is hurting and then on top of the like physical habits of like fueling your body with food and movement there's also the emotional side too so when it's worse, it's usually around my stress levels. So my stress levels right now, I just started my period yesterday, the last week, in the last five days, my fiance and I have picked our wedding date, picked our officiant, 
got our my dress organized, got all the guest lists sorted out. <laughs> so I have been calling people nonstop, just like kind of organizing all these last minute wedding details. And I didn't realize, but yes, that is a giant stressor. <laughs> and so those two things of me not eating well and moving my body regularly and on top of it the added stress of last minute wedding details is like my left side of my back it's like I hate y'all oh my god I felt it yeah (laughs) that's exactly what it is and so when I kind of learned about the pain paradigm, I'm like, oh, oh, this is interesting. Like, so where exactly am I feeling this? My left back, like middle, lower back. What is the scale of pain? You know, sometimes it's a 10, sometimes it's a seven, sometimes it's a three. So just like tuning into myself and asking, okay, what is this pain actually trying to tell me? Hey, girlfriend, eat some fucking vegetables. <laughs> yeah, and so, okay, sorry to cut you off, but that's why I was asking earlier about, like, these emotions lead to not just pent-up energy in the body, but other, like, forms of action. And so when you're feeling stressed you tend like not you but i and maybe you do i don't know i'll speak for myself when i'm feeling stressed i tend to not eat very well and same for me like that and i will totally get into like all this stuff that i'm about to talk about but um same like my period totally sucks i have major like depression and low energy and all the things but so when i listen to the body ask myself where I'm feeling this emotionally and also it's like um, keying me into other actions that I'm taking because I'm avoiding these emotions as well. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I'm so excited that we're talking <laughs> about this because this these are the types of conversations that I think people in our culture shy away from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to tell your story for you, Jessa, but I was struck by something that you said yesterday, which I'll let you share, but I was like, yeah, when, where in my life do I feel like I just have to show up and show up a certain way and be okay and be amazing and everything's great, but my back hurts. Oh, all the time I do that. Like I went, one time I went to this event, this, it was a life coaching event where I shared probably for the first time that I'd had chronic back pain for years and everybody in the room was like, what? You don't seem like you have back pain. Like you smile, you laugh, you're, you're bubbly. And I'm like, that's true. That's the real me. I'm not faking that. And I also have back pain that I never talk about. And so I'm so glad that we're having these conversations because it's like, yeah, who else is suffering in silence? Like, let's talk about it. So with that, I really, I would love to, for you, Jessa, to, I I know you already have your game plan, but can you share what you said to us yesterday? Because that really touched me. Totally. Yeah. Um, Yes. Yeah. So yesterday we were kind of deciding what we were going to talk about today and we settled on 
you know, this pain paradigm and talking about our periods because Tasha was going through this and I went through this last week. And also I have been reading this incredible book, which I will talk more about in, in a little bit. And I, like Rachel said at the beginning, was just giddy because I'm like so excited not only to feel like I'm talking about something that I'm really passionate about right now, but also something that I do not talk about mm -hmm. ever and have not for years because of what I'm about to tell you. So when I was young um, and started my period for the first time, I very distinctly remember um, my mom sitting down with me and having a conversation about the fact that every woman has PMS symptoms. And specifically, she was talking about um, like mood swings, irritability, all those things, because I guess I was experiencing those a lot. And let's just say this, I am a very loud, big personality. And so when I'm off, you know that I'm off and sometimes that rubs off on other people, whatever, I own that, sorry not sorry. Um, so anyway, I very distinctly remember my mom saying, so every woman deals with this to some degree and you just have to deal with it. Like you are not allowed to show up in the world and complain about your PMS or blame your actions on PMS or all these things. And even as a little kid, to my parents like d like annoyance I'm constantly questioning all everything that they're always telling me but even as a little kid I was like this doesn't make sense to me every woman is dealing with symptoms of PMS every single month because of their period and not only are we not allowed to talk about it we're not allowed to show that it's happening and I don't know about you guys. I mean, Tasha, you were just talking about like immense back pain. My PMS is like, I'm a different person. So not only do I get cramps during my period, which I, if I don't get ahead of them with ibuprofen, I'm like out for an entire day, like on the ground, cannot move. Um, but for the week before, I've never been diagnosed with this. It's self-diagnosed. So take it with a grain of salt, but I feel like I have P uh, P M D D, which is yes, premenstrual me too. Me too, girl. I yes. Have up. Yes. I believe that I have it self-diagnosed. Yes. Yes. P, uh, so it's premenstrual dysmorphic disorder. And it's pretty much like you become a different person. Your temperament is totally different. You are like at a 10 of irritability. Um, I mean, for years, like I said, I have a big personality for years, my family and friends are like, oh, are you on your period? Cool. Not only does this explain a lot, but I'm not going to be around you. Mm -hmm. Like I become like a leper during my period. And I'm like, I don't know how to freaking handle this or like nobody. Cool. Everybody's telling me that I'm like this horrible person to be around. And I don't know what to do about it because nobody has ever told me what to do about it. And also I'm getting zero support from everybody around me. It's like I turn into some freaking monster. <sighs> Talk about be feeling so isolated and out of control, right? It's like you're a monster, right? When you're like, when your world's falling apart and people are like, cool, go do that by yourself. Yeah, peace. I'll see you in a week. <laughs> awesome. And also, yeah. yeah, we were talking about this yesterday about how like 
you know, for those of us that do have that PMS before your period, and then your period lasts anywhere from like two to seven days, that ends up being half of every single month that you are dealing with some sort of period cycle, like abnormal symptoms and or bleeding. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. insane. So anyway, we were talking about this yesterday and I was also sharing kind of just some stuff that I've been going through. Um, I like, I don't even know where to start this, this story. Cause I want to keep it not <laughs> entirely long. Um, so I, for years have, like I said, struggled with PMS and all the things related, like bad things related to having a period. Also, I have had major bouts of depression and anxiety. Um, I have had brain fog, memory loss. Um, shoot, I'm trying to like think of all the different things. Um, severe weight gain. Like just, I, I can't, it takes really a, a huge effort for me to lose weight and keep it off. If I, my grandma loves to use this like example, if she looks at a cheeseburger, she gains weight. That's kind of how I feel a little bit. And so all of these symptoms push together. Um, oh, fatigue. That's the biggest one. I was like, I know I'm forgetting a big one. Um, majorly, majorly fatigued all the time. And like, I'm sure, I mean, you guys have known me long enough to where, you know, like, it's like, I've been trying to explain this, but like out of the week, even when I'm not like experiencing some sort of PMS symptom, I maybe have like four days out of the week where I feel like I have energy enough to do, to like be a, a, a person and not just be like chilling on the couch. Um, and so because of that for years, I considered myself lazy because the people in my life told me that I was lazy because, you know, more than half of the month, I'm spending my days chilling on the couch, watching TV or whatever, whatever it is. Um, and I mean, I don't know about you guys. I, I, that never felt right to me. And I was taking that on because that's what people told me that I was always, but I'm like, I'm this super passionate person. I'm very, I have an energetic personality. It doesn't make sense to me, all these things. And I'm lazy. Like that never made sense to me. And so I started looking into what all of these symptoms could possibly kind of mean. Um, and my mom was diagnosed with hypothyroidism a couple of years ago. And I never really put the two and two together, um, but apparently it's super hereditary in my family. And so when I started thinking and looking into that and in relation to my hormones and how obviously like there's some sort of imbalance going on there, I've always, you know, thought there was an imbalance in my gut, just with my digestion and all the things like we're getting real right now. Um, I'm like, what is something that like, pretty much I just need to look into this and get some answers for myself because nobody's going to give them to me unless I like look them up. As I said, like nobody wants to help me. Everybody thinks I'm lazy. Everything, everybody thinks that I'm a crazy monster bitch on my PMS or like on my period. And I'm kind of like in this alone. Which so. breaks my heart. <laughs> like I, because how many people are suffering from, doesn't even have to be PMDD. 
mm-hmm. mental illness, anxiety, mm-hmm. depression, these different things. And people stick labels on it or tell them you'll be fine. Just you put a bandaid on it, get some right. exercise. You'll be okay. And it's like, no, you would not be telling that to somebody who had cancer. Right. Yeah. And why do we treat these different illnesses so differently without compassion? I'm sorry. I just had to get on my soapbox for a second and be like, that is not okay. (laughs) We as a culture, I want us, myself included, to get better about extending compassion to people when there's something off. Yeah. 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 And believing that, believing people when they say what their shit is and not, I mean, it's so easy. It's so easy nowadays to throw around different judgments because I mean, I can get on my soapbox about social media all day, but it breeds that judgment in today's society, right? Like that I feel like is number one reason of why we are so judgmental of people because we're constantly looking at one part of their lives and you know whatever whatever I I don't need to go into that whole thing but yes <laughs> and yeah Jessa just for you and also for our listeners you do not have to accept the labels other people give you yeah. so somebody gave you the label of lazy you are not lazy you may have a lazy day which is completely totally fine but you are not lazy. So make sure you're just separating that and you do not have to accept the labels that are given to you. You can own the labels that you want to own. And absolutely. People are not their behavior. That's a whole nother episode we we can do. Uh, Put it on our list. People are not their behavior. (laughs) Yeah. And um, it it bothers me when people want to label people, their behaviors. No. Totally. Totally. And I think it's so unfortunate too, because, you know, you do like you exist in your labels. If, if before you've heard us telling you that you don't have to, you exist Mm -hmm. in your labels and you take on that identity and then everything else is from that perspective and from that lens. And so you're looking at your life from a completely skewed place that there's no way to actually find real answers from that because you're not even seeing yourself clearly. You're not even seeing, and this is where listening, like genuinely listening to your body is important. You know, for me, like I said, I wore the label lazy for years. However, it never sat right in my body. It never sat right to me to actually wear that. And it was just really, really hurtful and led to other things like mistrusting people that I thought that I could trust because, you know, they just want to throw these judgments at you. Anyway, that's a whole other, that could also be a whole other podcast. Um, but So I I mentioned a book earlier that I started reading. Now, this book is definitely not the end-all be-all. It's just the first one that I read that I was like, holy shit, I feel like this is revolutionary to my way of thinking um, and my understanding of our bodies to begin with. The first thing I'll say 
is I've been flirting with the idea of um, holistic health and um, kind of naturopathic medicine where you look at your entire body as a whole. You don't treat just the symptoms. You treat your body as a whole, which to my brain, I'm like, cool, that makes so much more sense because our body is all connected. There's not one part of our body that is not connected to another part of our body. Um, so unless you're dealing with like a broken leg, like it's totally different when you're dealing with your inner organs that are all literally connected to one another. Um, so that is kind of the mindset that I was coming to this with. Um, and so I started reading this book called The Happy Hormone. I literally just typed in the word hormone into my library, like online search. And this is the first book that came up. So it's not like I did a whole lot of research to even find this book, but I'm so glad that I did because I actually returned the library book and bought my own version. Um, and so pretty much what it talks about is how all of our hormones and I'll actually here, let me just, let me just flip who, the who page wrote the book, here. Jessica? Sorry. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's called the happy hormone guide by Shannon Leparsky. She's a certified hormone specialist. Um, and so the book goes over just a general overview. Um, it goes over like the first half is all of the information that you need about your thyroid gland and your endocrine system and your hormones and how it all works together. And the second half is about your actual period cycle and how that all connects to your hormones, endocrine system, thyroid, all the things. Um, and then the, the very end of it is um, like a plant-based um, eating guide, which I definitely have found some awesome recipes from her but I'm not plant-based. So I'm looking into other, like I just started this other book called the Adre Adre Good God, I can't talk. Adre Adrenal Thyroid, yes. <laughs> ah! Adrenal Thyroid Revolution. I literally just started it last night. So we'll see how that one goes. Um, but I, I marked off some pages of things that I wanted to just like briefly go over to explain how everything kind of works together and why this was so like revolutionary to me. So let me list off some um, symptoms of general hormone imbalance. So um, acne, oily skin, dry skin, dullness, eczema, skin rashes, hair loss, um, dandruff, hot flashes, vaginal dryness, um, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, inflammation, puffiness, body odor. Um, that was something that I read in this book that I was like, that's crazy is that your, your sweat actually does not stink. It's the sweat's reaction to your body's chemicals and like the actual, um, bacteria on the top of your skin that mm -hmm. makes your body stink when you're sweat. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. Okay. Um, for PMS, cramps, tenderness, uh, breast tenderness, uh, premenstrual spotting, late periods, cysts, um, brain fog, mental fog, weepiness, <laughs> uh, hypothyroidism, weight gain, caffeine dependency, anxiety. So it's pretty much like any symptom that you could possibly think of is a symptom of a hormone imbalance, which is kind of the overall arching theme of this book and the message is that 
there are things that we deal with on a daily basis that we just think are one-off symptoms. If we don't experience it all the time, if you have bloat, bloating, you know, like a couple times a month or whatever, you're just like, whatever, not a big deal. But actually those little symptoms all grouped together can be um, uh, symptomatic of a bigger hormonal imbalance. Absolutely. And even like, I'll speak for myself, even if I was bloated all the time, I wouldn't necessarily be like, let me go look at nutrition first to find the answer. And I'm just outing myself because that's not where my brain is at. I would be like, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Okay. And I would be like, I guess I'll drink more water. I don't know. And then I'd move on with my day. And for, for this to be like, oh, duh, it's so, it's such like a, seems like such a simple answer. And yet, mm-hmm. why am I not applying it to my own life? Um, so I'm, I'm actually, I'm excited to, to look at this book. I think it'll be great for me. One of my main yeah. symptoms is I get migraines mm. and I get them month, once a month, monthly, like clockwork, I will get a migraine. During your period or just in general? Right before, right before, like the day or two before I will be out with a migraine. Dude, yes, it's not normal. So the other thing that I found in this book that it starts talking about um, is PMS symptoms. All of them are not normal. And it's so wild because I was telling my grandma this because I'm I, like, I'm reading this thing and I'm calling everybody I know and I'm like, this is not normal. What I've been going through is not normal. <laughs> um, and the thing that my grandma brought up, which I, it would be interesting to like look into the statistics. I cannot talk today, you guys. Statistics on this is, so I say, you know, like PMS symptoms are not normal. And she's like, it's so weird because you know, women forever have been all, even in like ancient times, you hear people talking about women are shunned from their tribes and have like, are sent to go live together in a room while they're on their period away from the rest of their community because of the bleeding and the symptoms and all the things. And I'm like, damn, how long have women been dealing with hormone issues and not having it taken care of? Yeah. It's so wild. A long time. It's so crazy. It's so, it's so wild. Yeah. I was like also just thinking like this whole time, um, kind of when you were talking about how as a society, we're kind of trained not to talk about these things. Mm -hmm. And so for the first year of my period, I hit it. I didn't tell anybody I got my period. And I was, like, hiding the pads and, like, in the gar- like, probably my parents knew. Like, they take out the garbage. But, like, I was so embarrassed by it. Like, I was, like, mortified that I was, like, bleeding from my vagina. Like, I was just, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, this is terrible. Like, I remember it was my cousin's wedding and I had just got my period and I didn't know what to do and basically I like ruined my wedding dress I like was wearing like shorts at the wedding um I was like just so uncomfortable and I was I got my period like fairly young I think I was like 12 years old yeah like so I just like hit it 
for fucking I like I swear it was forever it felt like forever anyway (laughs) and so it just makes me like really sad to think that society and like this is definitely a general statement in my opinion but like society has like shied us away from these topics and it doesn't help it doesn't allow us the space to tune into ourselves. It doesn't allow us the opportunity to even like recognize what's going in on with our body and that it's normal because everyone ex- or every woman experiences it. And at the same time, when I was 12 years old, I thought I was completely friggin' abnormal mm-hmm. and like an alien and a monster shedding my uterus lining. Like, <laughs> so. <laughs> Give I your 12-year-old help. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Uh, can I help you? Yes, I have please. the opposite issue, you guys. I So I was a competitive athlete in junior high, in high school, and I thought there was something wrong with me. I didn't start my period until I was 16 years old. Yes. Whoa. And I was self-conscious to talk to doctors about it because I thought there was something wrong with me that all the, all the girls my age had their period and I didn't, well, come to find out that's very common for young athletes because you're so active and your body fat is so low that you just don't start. Um, and I didn't know that, you know, I was 16 years old. I, and I felt uncomfortable to ask those questions um, until finally a doctor told me like, oh, yo, no, it's totally normal. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, good thing that he just offered that information freely because I wasn't going to ask, you know? And yeah, yeah it's, I, I want all women everywhere, young girls, if we have the audience, if we have that attention, I just want them to know, like, there's no right or wrong here. It's like, your body is your body listen to your body, take care of your body and everything will be okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm at the other end of the, spe- of the spectrum. Like I said, I started my period at nine years old and I started getting boobs immediately. You look at pictures of me in fifth and sixth grade and my mom is dressing me in like the women's like business clothes to hide my cleavage in elementary school because, and like the kids are calling me Jigglypuff because I'm just like huge. And like my, I mean, I wasn't like a big kid, but like I had huge boobs. I've always had huge boobs since I was nine years old. And same thing. I thought that I was totally weird and talk about like being hypersexualized at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, it's interesting. Even just the three of us have totally different stories about this one thing. And we all shamed ourselves for it you know, for this totally natural thing that happens to ourselves because we didn't have, and I like, I don't, like I told that story about my mom earlier. I don't blame her for telling me that she was telling me what she, like, what was her experience of the world? Because she felt like she had to, you know, never show up in a way that she could like talk about her period or like experiencing PMS symptoms and all the things. So I don't know that it's necessarily anybody's fault that this is happening. However, now that we are talking about it, like, let's be proactive, all of us, you know, like, let's take it upon ourselves to try and break these stigmas and start having these conversations because like, 
look, this is not the most comfortable, I don't know about you ladies, but this is not the most conversa- comfortable conversation for me to be even having. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yes, I know so my brain is, did... my brain is Go like, ahead. are people going to just stop listening to us? And we're like, <laughs> this is so weird. Bye. I did, <laughs> I listening. did say vaginal itching earlier. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that may have been the stopping point. <laughs> we make it through this episode. We're friends for life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, this is not the most comfortable conversation, which is in and of itself is crazy because it happens to all of us every single month or half the population every single month. It's insane. Um, so yeah, I don't really know. I mean, I have like so many different things that I can talk about. I don't want to like go take this too long. Um, I gave a general kind of overview of that earlier of how like um, all of these different parts of our internal organs are all related to one another. Um, If this is something that we love the topic on, I can absolutely go into it in more depth at another episode. Um, But I'll just say the things that I found super interesting and just to like give you um kind of something to look forward to I guess is so since I've read this book and since I know now that hypothyroidism is super hereditary in my family I went to my doctor I actually had an appointment yesterday um and kind of laid this all out and this book which I love talks about um she's like even before you pretty much finish reading this book you should go and get these specific tests which is just like a like um all the hormones panels, uh, thyroid panels, and blood work panels that you can. Um, She goes over the specific ones, um, which is what I requested from my doctor. So I have an appointment on Friday to go get all of my blood work done. And so we should know by next week whether I do have hypothyroidism um, or some version of a thyroid issue. Uh, I'm kind of hoping that it's just hypothyroidism because there are other more serious things that it could be dealing with the thyroid. So fingers crossed that it's just that. And also I was telling my mom too, I was like, this would be a very, like, if I do have this, this would be a very convenient little like bow to wrap all of my symptoms up in. Right. Um, so not that I'm like hoping that I have this disease, but also I want some answers. You know, I've been dealing with this for so long and I'm so exhausted. I mean, I talk to you guys all the time about how exhausted I am of just being exhausted. You know, I, I don't feel like I'm living my own life at all. Um, so anyway, um, I have those, te- the test coming up on Friday and I will definitely keep you guys updated on how that is going. Um, the one last thing that I wanted to say about this, since we're just kind of like talking about our periods, is the the other interesting thing that they share in this book is that there's four different phases of your 28-day, which is like the typical is 28-day monthly cycle. Um, and so the second half of the book talks about how um, how you can not only like... Um, eat and exercise specifically for each phase, but how it kind of all works together um, to help whatever symptoms it is that you are facing with your hormones. Uh, And I just found that so interesting. There's, so there's four phases. Let me flip to it. Um, There's four phases, the menstrual, the follicular, the 
ovulatory and the luteal. Um, and they're all, I just find it so fascinating. This is like a little bit woo woo of me that like there's four phases of our menstrual cycle and four phases of the moon, mm. like all, you know, like that whole, anyway, yeah. I, I definitely like love that side of things. Um, so anyway, yeah, the second half of the book kind of talks about how you can eat and how you, um, do movement and exercise specifically for, whichever cycle that you're in. And so I started doing that a little bit. Um, my last cycle. So which started like two weeks ago. Um, and I haven't been the best on it because consistency is something that I'm constantly working on. Um, however, I will say that I already feel more in tuned with my body because I'm paying attention and not even just like paying attention to eating for the, whatever cycle that I'm in, but I'm just paying attention to my body. I started like tracking my period, which I had never done before. Mm -hmm. And I'm paying attention to what phase I'm in and what I should be doing for this phase of my, my cycle. And just like knowing that information and now thinking about all the symptoms that I have and relating that to, okay, does this happen during this part of the cycle? Will that make sense? Because this part of the cycle causes this type yeah. thing. It just created more answers for me and more connections of all the things that I have been going through that I never had answers for. So anyway, very long-winded way to say I love this book. I highly, highly recommend it just as a start jumping off point of anybody who would love some information on, um, you know, their bodies and their cycles. And if you have any of the symptoms that I listed off earlier, then I think that you should probably pick up this book, <laughs> which we'll leave the I information for in the show notes. I would love to know, um, just, you know, before we wrap, maybe just one piece of advice from each of us for, for our listeners, whether it's related to body, period, hormone, hypothyroid, it could be anything, but what's one inspired action step you would give our listeners for today? So I don't know if it's necessarily an inspired action step, but this is how I would like to leave this episode is just letting our listeners in on the conversation. Tag us, hey hopefuls on social media if you want to join this conversation, because the more conversations we have and the more perspectives that we include in the conversation, the less the stigma around this conversation is going to sting. So the more we converse, the more perspectives we include, the better off we are going to be. And so I'll leave you with this one piece of um, indigenous knowledge that I received. And it made me feel really amazing about my menstrual cycle. So women in the First Nations um, communities, they are actually not, they are held at their highest when they are on their menstrual cycles. So women menstruating is like the highest of the high prestige, basically. You are not to do most activities. And so I learned this teaching when I was in a drum making class. And the teacher was actually saying, like a, a drum, you know. Yeah, no, how fun. <laughs> yeah, so the teacher actually 
started off by saying, like, asking, like, if there were any women menstruating. And if you were menstruating to that, like, kindly, please don't make your drum because you are too sacred right now. You are too powerful right now. You have too much power within you to create something that is going to basically embody the essence that you have in this drum you are too powerful at this moment to create it so hold back you are at the top and you know just embrace it and live for it so there's my little indigenous teaching for you um i love that because it's the exact opposite that we're told right like it's you know, you have cramps and you're bleeding and you just want to sit in a ball and you're in pain and everybody for in my instance hates you for that time. And so I love the exact opposite viewpoint of thinking of yourself as just like the highest of high sacred womanhood when you're like experiencing that. I love that. I love it too. So you are powerful. You are here. You are woman. And hey, hopefuls, stay tuned with us. Um, I'd love to hear any last parting words from Rachel or Jessa. Yeah. Um, so I have two inspired action steps. So the first is to practice the pain paradigm. Um, maybe we can put those four questions in the show notes as well. So people can totally. reference those. Of, um, the order is important. The order does matter. So when you're checking in, you're going to ask yourself those questions in that order. Um, anytime you're experiencing any physical pain in your body. Um, and my second inspired action step is I actually track my, my hormones and my cycle on this app that I love and it's called hormone horoscope. Um, if you, if you don't believe in horoscope, don't worry. It's just the name of the app. There's nothing to do with horoscope. It's just basically, um, predicting your moods, predicting, um, how you're feeling that day, predicting your energy levels, how you feel in a relationship, money, sex, all the things based on your hormones for that day. And once I started using this app and kind of checking in with myself and where I was at in my cycle, my life made so much more sense. So instead of beating myself up for having a super low energy day or a super anxiety day, because that's where I go in my week two is extreme anxiety um, or extreme energy, I should say, like that restlessness. I just started keeping track in this app of like, oh, okay, that's normal for me for where I'm at for right now. And yeah, I definitely am going to work on the nutrition piece. Yet when you're tracking in this app, it'll kind of predict how you're feeling, which for me was super eye-opening. Totally. Yeah. Because, and I think that's twofold, you know, it's for anything, the awareness is key. It's the first step of every, like anything, right? Like accepting of like what, what's actually happening to you or what state that you're in. And then from there, you know, you can decide what and if you want to do anything about it. Um, so yeah, definitely. I think that's super important just to start becoming aware of what it is that is going on with you. And I think the thing that I will leave you on, there's a couple of different things that I think I'm thinking of, but the one thing I'll say, which is something that I wish people had told me more and more and I had gotten through my thick head was to go get tested. Mm. You know, there, it, 
long, long, long story short explanation for me, but I have a problem trusting Western medicine. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. I stayed away from doctors for a very long time because um, like I said, I lean more towards the holistic health, but obviously there's something wrong with my body and there are, I'm just coming to a place where I'm trying to find whatever that balance is of, of the two, the holistic with the Western medicine. So I stubbornly stayed away from getting testing done for a very long time. And also I was scared. I was scared of being diagnosed with something because then at that point I need to act, you know, I can't ignore it anymore. I can't just say that this is some weird thing or just blame it on being lazy, you know, cause that like, even though it hurts is an easy thing to just be like, cool, cool. I'm just lazy. Um, so I would say, you know, go get tested. You, if you don't, you know, get this book, you can Google what different tests you need to get from your doctor. And honestly, if you go in and say that you have any of these symptoms and say, Hey, I think that I need these tests there. I don't think there's any reason why your doctor should not allow you to be tested for these things. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, insurance and stuff like that, whatever. I'm just saying your doctor should not like, <laughs> should not deny you the option of getting all of the information that you need for what's going on in your body. So that is the inspired action stuff that I'm going to leave you off with. Yay. I love, that. I love it. I want to say one, one more thing that you said, Jessa, about trying to find that balance between holistic and medicine. And I 100% agree. I'm very much in the middle of, you know, holistic is amazing. And I could, because I went through a depression, which maybe we can talk about at some point, I went through a depression for seven years. And when you are that far gone into a deep, dark pit, no amount of kale is going to help. That's just my, you know, and, and, and you're free from all of that. And it gets to a point where you need that medicine to kickstart a chemical balance in your brain mm -hmm. and in your body. And that medicine is a gift that can support you on your path to healing. Doesn't mean you need it forever. It's a kickstart. It's like a shot. It's like a steroid shot to just help you get back on track. And then you can talk to your doctors and then you can do the research of like, okay, yes, I do need to add more nutrition. Yes, I do need to add more exercise. Yes, I do need to get coffee with friends. Yes, I do want to talk to a therapist. And medicine has its place. And I'm very, very thankful because I would not be alive without medication. And that is the truth. So no shame or blame around that. It's great. It's a tool. Use it and also take care of yourself and listen to your body. Absolutely. I think that's a beautiful place to end. Um, yes. So we will oh. see you did you need one more thing? Yes, Not I need one more thing. <laughs> I want to say one more thing. Just um, kind of to sum it all up, it basically comes down to tuning into yourself, seeking different knowledge sets, and asking for help when you need it. And there are different tools, whether it's books or apps or any of the above, like tuning into podcasts, whatever it is, like you're not alone in this. Um, even for our guys out there listening, the Hormone Horoscope app, my fiance loves this thing because it is pretty freaking bang on, on like my moods and everything. So it's like, oh, like, look at this app. Like, what's Tash doing today? Like, oh, yeah, don't bug her because she's down. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
So, yes, we mainly talk to our ladies today. Um, just know that some of these tools are helpful for our dudes out there as well. Um, so, yeah, we're just really happy that you have tuned in today. So stay tuned for next week's episode, and we will talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Babes with Hope. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or if you're looking to get involved in one of our coaching programs, you can reach us directly at babeswithhope.thinkific.com. That's babeswithhope.thinkific.com. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.